Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your podcast, the Coach HP Show. I love it, Coach HP. HP, like it, what man. a vibe! You got a great yeah, vibe going on. We're vibe. happy we can meet great you. Great energy. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, boom. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome to the number one positivity podcast on the internet right now, the Coach HP Show. And in today's show, we have my man. How many championships have you won over there? uh zero yet i've been here for about a year and a half so. oh a year and a half huh yeah we got my man it's hunter right yes what a cool name bro hunter that name comes from who uh my parents i really don't know the reasoning behind it but uh i'm glad they picked it that's for sure it's a strong name what's uh what's pop's name uh randy randy huh so randy said yeah. i'm gonna upgrade and i'm gonna have a hunter you know, I, I think I think the name kind of came from him in terms of he's a big he's a big hunter. Um, he likes to hunt hey. fish, so I think that was uh, part of the reason there. Nice, dude. What ta- what type of uh, so he likes to hunt like what like fishing kind of thing or like like bears, antelope? What does he like? Um, so he's generally from where we're from, Pennsylvania, white-tailed deer, uh, fishing anywhere from trout. Uh, you name it, but he also hunts bear too. So he's got a hunts a little bit of everything, fishes for a little bit of everything too. Nice, dude. And then, did you play baseball yourself? I did, I did. So uh, I started out at Fairleigh Dickinson University um, for my college career up in northern New Jersey. Uh, played two years there. Uh, suffered a shoulder injury that kind of um, left me out of the playing field for a little while. And then I transferred to Westchester University in Pennsylvania, which is a really good D2 school. Uh, so I've been playing baseball my whole life. Nice, bro. What uh, what position did you play? Uh, so I was primarily a shortstop. Uh, once the injury occurred, uh, just to kind of save some extra bullets in the shoulder, um, I ended up moving over to first base. So primarily infield my whole life, but I've kind of played every single position growing all the way up until – probably got to high school so and you were and go do to go from shortstop to first base that's a, that's a big change and you're a good hitter uh i was definitely a better fielder than i was a hitter but uh i wasn't too bad wasn't too bad huh so let me ask you how old are you 25 oh you're still young bro i love it so 25 years old and then from there how did we get into the strength world had you had you always been that dude that works out that was into being in shape or did that become a passion later? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a sports centric life thus far in terms of um, played multiple sports when I was younger, anywhere from swimming, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. Uh, And then as I got to that middle school age, that's where I really started to take the weight room serious. um, And I fell in love with it. And I think that's kind of what sparked my interest early on. And then all throughout high school, continued to do it. But actually, what's kind of funny, um, I wanted to be a meteorologist going into college. So 
I'm very fascinated with the weather. I still am to this day. So whenever there's a big snowstorm, hurricane, like I'm on top of it. Um, and then my sophomore year of college, I kind of wanted to make that switch. I was like, you know what? Suffering the shoulder injury, I've been through the rehab process, um, just learning the body in general and obviously pairing it with the weight room. I was like, I think this is this is what's uh, meant for me. So I transitioned into exercise science. And then from there, just wanted to get into strength and conditioning. And here I am. I love that, dude. And you just do there. You're in charge of baseball, correct? You're not doing others, just baseball. Yeah, primarily baseball, which is crazy because when I played the the guy who was in charge of that did everything. He did every sport, mm -hmm. but now it's gotten so customized that uh, that we had a guy like you just to do that. And how did you land the Vanderbilt job? So I was actually up in Springfield College uh, getting my master's degree. I was a graduate assistant up there, was working with football, baseball, women's gymnastics, track and field. Uh, so I had four teams at the time. And then in the spring of 22, uh, the job opened up and I applied for it, uh, went through the interview process, uh, met with all the coaches and everything. And um, here I am a year and a half later. So it's been an unbelievable experience. Dude, I love it. Okay, so let's talk weights. Let's talk about stuff. What you what do you think i think it's a good question what do you think led to you getting the job was it an attitude thing <clears throat> obviously see, let's put experience aside right but was it your philosophy what were these people looking for that they said hunter's my guy yeah i mean i think philosophy wise it's just it's learning to think outside of the box right because i think strength and conditioning is so narrowly focused in towards you know weights being in the weight room uh, but there's a lot of different things that you can do outside of the weight room as well in terms of what we do out on the field, sprinting, different things like that. But at the end of the day, too, thinking about little things in terms of the shoulder elbow complex, you know, just dialing in on different things that is going to keep our athletes healthy. But at the same time, too, my mentality in terms of, um, you know, I know what I'm talking about and I, obviously I continue to learn but I know what I can bring to the table. Um, and I think just my positive attitude going into it uh, is what led to that. And, you know, I continue to every day, you know, just have a positive attitude. And I know you always talk about having the most positive podcast, you know, in the world. And I think that's something really special that not only we as coaches, but humans in general, uh, you know, need to continue because positivity um, is undefeated. So. I love that, dude. I love that. And especially, man, as, one of the things I liked about you, I, I loved obviously the Vanderbilt thing, right? But I love that you dabbled and you're willing to get into content, right? On the internet, which in, I don't know how long you've been doing it for as long as I've been doing it. I've always felt as been, as I've been a guy that's interviewed people in different arenas that the baseball community was always like full of haters. It was always like, oh, look at this guy, that guy, guy what does he know? What does this guy know? Blah, blah, blah. And it's so stupid. Because as I, as I now have the best, uh, I'm going to have the two best bow hunters on the planet on the show, right? And these guys are so supportive and they're helping each other and stuff like that. But I've always felt that the baseball thing was like, it's just so horrible of how hating it is and stuff like that. So I go, dude, let me get this guy on. Let me hear what he's, uh, I got a ton of questions for you, by the way. But, <laughs> but let me see what his, what he thinks, what he thinks the future is, what he thinks the current thing. So I wanted to congratulate you on that because I feel like a lot of coaches now, baseball is very different than any other sport, man, because 
yes, in the big leagues and all, it's viewed up here, but I feel like all the other coaches and stuff around it are super underrated. Like they don't get the value or, or the love it deserves, you know? So I wanted to to, to, to give you the, the platform, do to share your knowledge and stuff like that, man. First question for you, Hunter. What's the biggest mistake? Before we get into that, when guys, because I know you train guys on the side, but let's say Vanderbilt is looking at recruit X, right? Do you go and see them once they're accepted to the school, whatever, or is your first communication with them once they're on the team? Because that's how it works legally, NCAA, stuff like that. Yeah, so the recruiting side of things, I kind of stay out of that and stay in my own lane. So we really won't have any communication or access to them until they pretty much step on campus. Uh, so whether that be if they come in early in the summer to take classes to kind of get a head start, then we can kind of see them in the weight room. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's pretty much the first day that they step on campuses when we get our hands on them, um, you know, to kind of to continue that development process. And what are you looking at, dude? What 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 are you liking in players? Is it flexibility? Is it an attitude to change? Is it an attitude to to follow the program? What are you looking at in players? You know, I think it's all those things. I mean, we talk about we want to get players in here that want to be developed, right? Um, so in terms of physicality, we're going to get different types of players. We'll maybe get a guy that's 6'5", 260 pounds, another guy that's maybe 5'8", 150. Stature really doesn't matter, right? We just want guys that are going to come in here every day that want to get developed, that want to be coached, right? And then we can take what we know in the weight room and apply it to them, but they just have to have that mindset that every time they step in that weight room, it's go time. And, and those are the main things that we ask for of our players, especially when they come in the weight room is we're going to have a good time in here. We're going to develop you and the progression and your time here at Vanderbilt is only going to increase. So. Hunter in dealing with the, with the portal and you guys coming in, man, I don't know Vanderbilt sting with that, right? When you get new guys coming in, do you find them that they're cool and they listen a lot of times or are they a little hard headed to follow the system? How do you notice that? Majority of the time, the guys come in, um, they want to get to work right away. There's really no animosity in terms of, um, you know, players and whatnot. Everybody comes in here with their mindset on, you know, I'm going to make it here. I'm going to get developed here. Uh, and they just let us do the work for them. But obviously, they have to put in the work themselves. But they trust in us. And uh, that's all we can ask for. Dude, I love that. Talk to me. Question number one. What is the number one mistake you're seeing baseball players are doing now? with their physical? Um, I would say I get asked this question all the time in terms of strength and conditioning and, and training for baseball players. I think it's so solely focused on baseball specific training. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think baseball players in general just have to train like the athletes that they are. Right. And that's why we always talk about being multi-sport athletes, because there's a lot of skills that you learn playing different sports. Uh, and obviously travel baseball and all that stuff is becoming extremely popular nowadays where guys are just strictly playing baseball year, year round. Uh, and they may not be able to get that physical development that they need um, to make it to that next level. Now it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all, but I think diving into multiple sports, getting different athletic skills, learning how to deal with different teams is extremely important. And a lot of our guys here are multi-sport athletes. And you can kind of tell that as soon as they step on campus, they just have a bunch of different skills that they can use on the field, in the weight room. 
Um, so those are those are some things that uh, I, I think very positively about. And I know there's different opinions out there in terms of baseball. Um, and it, baseball is one of those sports where if you're playing baseball, you should just strictly focus on baseball. And I don't necessarily agree with that because, like I said, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can learn from playing different sports, being around different people, being around different coaches. Um, so I could dive into a deep rabbit hole with that. Dude, I, listen, I totally agree with you. I'm from Cuba, okay? And I was raised here and I played baseball here in Miami. The only thing we did was do baseball 24-7, okay? That's the biggest mistake anybody can do. Every kid that I've spoken to that is successful in baseball, especially American or Americanized that's out of here of uh, South Florida, they all play different sports. Every, uh, obviously, parents are terrified with the football and stuff like that. They've always been terrified of football, but they all do, man. So I'm a huge proponent. I'm a huge proponent of, and I'll see if you agree with this, baseball season is baseball season. When it's not baseball season, play something else, and still once a week or twice a week hit in a cage. Absolutely. That, and I'm, just do that, and life's going to be great for you. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And I'm talking about, obviously, look, high school, it's where things get more official. But where I think the most focus that should be put on, that isn't put on, is from eighth grade, kind of like from sixth to eighth grade. Like those years, the, the only people, in my opinion, that are saying to play baseball year-round are people that are in the, bas the business of making money of playing baseball off year-round. Absolutely. You know? And that's that's how I see it. And I'm glad you agree with that. So with that said, OK, so we both agree we're playing base. We're playing different sports all year round. We'll train on the baseball side, you know, on the timing of the hitting. But we're playing other sports. I love that. Second question for you, Hunter. How early should a player start? Training. Their body. And we're talking about, you could tell me from doing push-ups to doing TRX to doing bands, how early do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, you could probably start anywhere from the age of eight, right? Now, when I say that, I mean, when you're early like that at age eight, I think it's movement quality that they need to focus on first, right? And that's just body weight movements. Like you had said, push-ups, body weight squats, different things like that. Getting with a coach that knows what they're doing and giving them the proper movements that they need so that as they continue to grow into their bodies, as they continue to grow in terms of baseball, they have a foundation set so that they can start to add external weight, you know, such as bars, dumbbells, different things like that. So, you know, I, I think people get scared of starting early at an early age. Um, and I can understand why, you know, growth plates, all that stuff, but if it's done properly and you're just focusing on focusing on proper movements I mean, there's a lot of benefit that could come out of it. And you're only setting yourself up for the next five to 10 years down the road. Yeah, because for some reason, this is one of the things that suck about social media, right? If there, if your kid just happens to on a Sunday do seven push-ups, a parent records it and then puts the hashtag under no days off just because the guy on Sunday just did seven push-ups, right? And then everybody hates on the guy. Like, oh, you, you, you take it easy on him. You're doing this. You're doing that. I believe that everything is a routine and you start building a discipline and an understanding, right? And the earlier you do it, the less of a battle it is when it gets a, a little older. So eight years old, I love that, okay? Done properly. Weights, what age do you recommend? 
weights, I mean, that, that can be, that's really determined on where that athlete is in terms of how they're moving. Right. Um, it can be done very, it can be done safely at a young age. I'm not saying eight years old, but, you know, possibly as you hit that 10 to 11, um, age mark, I think you can start putting some external load on them, obviously keeping it under control and, you know, monitoring the athlete. But if you develop those physical movement qualities that it's going to allow you to do that weight, I see nothing wrong with it. It's just, you get to that point where a young athlete may not be ready for it and the external load comes and that's where injuries may occur. Right. And that's, I think what you see on Instagram or social media, a lot of times is um, people with different opinions and um, they're seeing athletes get hurt with, you know, barbells on their back or whatever. And that's probably mainly due to the reason that they probably never developed those movement capabilities to begin with. Right. So, like I said, focusing on the movement quality first and then everything else will progress after that. But you just make sure that they're at a point where they're able to handle it. And I think if you're doing it properly and you start training at an early age, I would say anywhere from 10 to 12 years old is probably proper to begin to add that external load. If that Hunter, makes when you say movement, right, what does that mean? Let's say to in dumb guy world, break it down. What does movement mean? Just being able to control your body in a, you know, orderly fashion, right? I mean, obviously, I know kids at such young ages are continuing to grow into their body. Um, but the movement patterns that you continue to do on a daily basis, right? We talk about consistency. You know, I think if you're doing it consistently, you're doing it good with a good coach um, under supervision, you know, anywhere from learning just how to squat properly, learning how to hinge properly, um, learning how to do a horizontal push, which is a push up at an early age, right? Learning the fundamentals there is going to set you up big time for the next couple of years down the road. So, you know, I always talk about it. If you're if you're a young athlete, number one, play multiple sports because you're going to learn a lot of athletic skills and you're going to learn to control your body in a sport manner, right? Um, yes. In a competition setting. But then the stuff that you do outside of that in terms of the weight room, just body weight stuff, um, just learning to control your body, like I said, um, and, you know, incorporating those movement patterns on a daily basis is going to help them big time. Dude, I love it. Another question. Do players weight train during season? What's that? Do players weight train during season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we get our guys uh, training about three to four times a week during the season. Um, and that's that's the cool thing about strength and conditioning and sports performance in general. Um, there's so much science out there, so many different ways to go about it. So uh, we make sure that we're hitting total body workouts throughout the season um, just to be able to maintain the strength that we built, maintain the power that we built, the robustness. Uh, we obviously do it under supervised loads and intensities, volumes, different things like that. But it's extremely important to lift during the season. What's what a. Uh... Are you the only one there? Do you have a staff with you? Do you tell the coaches, hey, man, this is what we're looking for? How does that work? Yeah, so it's myself and one other strength coach, Walker Grisani. Uh, he actually played here um, from 16 to 19. Nice. Um, so he's been involved in the program now for about nine years. This is going on his ninth year. Uh, so he's he's grown up through this program. He knows you know, the ins and outs of everything. So uh, myself and him, we come up with the programs uh, year round. And then we're constantly involved with the sports coaches themselves, you know, um, letting them know how athletes are doing. If we may need to pull back a little bit in a, in a weight room session or out on the field, just to keep the players fresh. Uh, there's a, a fine line of communication there. So we're constantly 
involved in every aspect of what we do here. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, so, you know, like I said, there's, there's a lot that goes into the weight room side of things, but being able to communicate with the coaching staff, the baseball coaching staff, particularly, um, is really cool. Dude, I love that. Do you believe in overhead? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Exercises. Yes, I do. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to it in terms of just having strong, healthy shoulders. Now, obviously we do everything under supervision. So if we see that an athlete is not pressing overhead correctly, the way we want to, we're not going to continue to do that because obviously injuries may occur. Um, So we make sure that each of our athletes is doing the movements properly. And if we see that it's not fit for them, we'll find an alternative for them. But yeah, we do a lot of overhead pressing. We do a lot of vertical pulls such as chin-ups, pull-ups, you name it. Um, Just so that that shoulder is getting the strength that it needs to be able to throw a baseball every single day. Because uh, you don't realize how much workload goes into the shoulder um, in a given season in terms of just how many baseballs they throw, um, you know, swinging the same thing. The shoulders are involved in everything they do. So we want to make sure that they're healthy and strong so that they can handle what they need to do on the field. Hunter, as a baseball player, right? Here's my opinion. You just told me yes or no, Okay. The biggest bullshit of all time is infield outfield, no? That's the biggest. I, I hate that thing. That, as a first baseman, that shit sucks. Having to throw a thousand times all over the place, is that the worst or what? Um, It was tough for me, I'll tell you what, because <laughs> I, especially after my shoulder surgery, I mean, I didn't want to throw a baseball at all until I had to in the game. Um, So I can understand if it, if it gets on under some guy's skin in terms of just not wanting to throw and save some bullets, yeah. uh, you know, for the games. But if you're doing it in a supervised manner and you know, you're not throwing too many, too many balls and different things like that, there are a lot of skills that you're getting out of it, you know, just extra ground balls, extra fly balls, different reads, you know? Um, so it could, it could go either way. I'd say. I got you. I got you. I got you. How, you don't want to go on the record saying, Hey, this guy thinks it's iffy. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. I got you. I'll protect you. Don't worry about that. Okay. What key lifts should players be focusing on? Let's go step by step. What key lifts? Key, key lifts. Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, number one, I would say learning to squat properly. So bilateral squat, you know, squatting on two legs, Um, unilateral squats, which is on one leg. So your split squats, uh, Bulgarian split squats, rear foot elevated split squats, because the game's played. I think a lot of sports are played on one leg, right? You think about it when you're sprinting, right? You're pretty much pushing off of one leg, right? So 
you want to match what you're doing in the weight room to what you're actually going to do on the field itself, right? So those are two exercises right there that I think are really important. Um, I'd say this, the third one would be learning how to hinge properly. So your Romanian deadlifts, your RDLs, um, just to strengthen those hamstrings, strengthen the posterior chain, because that's extremely important too. Um, horizontal pressing. So, you know, bench press, dumbbell bench press, whatever that may be, because there's a lot of benefit to having a strong upper body, right? I think we get caught into a rabbit hole of is bench press bad for baseball players? I don't think there's an exercise that's bad. There's just bad ways to do them, right? So if you're not doing it properly with the proper movement quality that I had talked about earlier, then yeah, injuries may occur down the road. But I think it's an extremely important exercise to do because if you have a strong chest, um, you're most likely going to have some strong shoulders and, you know, increased velocity on the baseball is, is probably going to come with it. Right. Um, and then your vertical presses, your vertical pulls, kind of like we just talked about strengthening the shoulder, strengthening everything around it. So I think those are the main cookie cutter exercises that athletes should focus on. And then obviously you got your accessory, you know, exercises and stuff, your, your rotator cuff exercises, you know, strengthening the ankles, the calves, different things like that, that are going to keep the athletes healthy on the field. But if you focus on those main exercises, like I said, bilateral squat, unilateral squat, learning how to hinge properly, and then your horizontal press, horizontal pull, vertical pull, vertical push, um, you know, those are all going to be really big for them. I love that, dude. Yeah, I think with bench, what happens is that guys want to flex and they just, they want to show off at least old school guys with with the benching. And I think that's that's what that's what throws it off, bro. Hunter, how many how many calories should D one athletes be consuming daily? That's a tough question. I mean, that that's a little bit out of my realm. Uh, we have sports nutritionist here who handles all of that, so we're we're very grateful to have her. Um, so she she gets with our athletes individually. Because it varies from guy to guy, right? If you're if you're a 6'5", 260-pound athlete, you're going to probably have to eat a lot more than a 5'8", 160-pound athlete, right? Just because to be able to maintain that same weight for that 260-pound guy is going to be a lot different than the guy that maybe weighs only 160 pounds, right? So um, it's kind of just seeing what they need in terms of do they need to maintain this weight? Do they need to lose this weight? There's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, and we kind of leave that up to our sports nutritionist, but from a generic standpoint, if you're an athlete, who's trying to gain weight, um, I would say just eat as much as you can, but eat the proper foods, right? So we're talking about whole foods. We're talking about lean meats, um, good carbohydrates, healthy fats. And if you do that and you don't necessarily track it, but you track your weight on a week to week basis, if you're not gaining any weight, that probably means you got to eat a little more, right? And if you're gaining too much weight and you need to pull back a little bit, then you can pull back. Um, but getting into the specifics in terms of macronutrients, micronutrients, and different things like that, that's a little bit out of my realm. Um, so we leave that to the sports nutritionist. But just in terms of overall generality, you know, I think eat as much as you can, but eat the right foods. You know, I love that. I love that, dude. Number five. I'll put number five here. Should players be looking to get bigger in size or just stronger in stronger for their size? So should players be looking to get bigger in size or just stronger within their size? Yeah, that's a great question too. I think starting out at an early age, um, if your training age is very young, and what I mean by training age is 
what your experience is inside the weight room. So if you have a training age of less than a year, right, you're pretty newly exposed to the weight room. If you train hard, you eat correctly, your weight, your strength, everything is going to go up, right? And it may be a red flag to you, like, oh my God, I'm gaining so much weight. But at the end of the day, it's all good weight, right? And it's only going to improve their athletic performance. But that's one thing that we focus on here. And I think athletes all over should is, you know, just try to get bigger, faster, and stronger, right? Don't worry too much about the weight because if you continue to play your sport, you continue to stay athletic, that weight that you put on is only going to benefit you down the road, right? You're going to be able to get stronger. You're going to be able to get more powerful. You're going to be able to get faster, right? So train hard in the weight room, take the nutrition really seriously, as well as your sleep. Make sure you're sleeping like eight to 10 hours a night, because I think that's one thing that younger kids don't focus on enough. And I think it's extremely, extremely important, right? It's a free steroid, essentially. If you get eight to 10 hours of sleep of night, your body's going to be able to recover and you're going to be able to hit that next day hard as well. Right. So you can stack days on days if you're doing that properly and the training and nutrition, that'll all take care of itself. You guys track the sleep there. You got the kids like on a, it's like a whoop thing or something. Do they, do you guys do that there? Um, so we do not, we've looked into it. I think it's extremely beneficial. Um, I, I think our guys would benefit a lot from it. And I know other athletes that I've talked to who use it benefit a lot from it just because you're able to actually see how long you're sleeping, how well quality quality of sleep you have. Um, and that that's the cool thing about technology nowadays, especially in the sports performance side of things. If you can have visual data for your athletes, it's only going to create that buy-in and they're going to, you know, take that stuff seriously and just enhance their performance overall. I love that, man. Vanderbilt is so tricky, dude, because I know about at least five absolute savages, bro that we're going to go there and they all signed in the first round. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. the most, it sucks to look at a recruiting class. I mean, here in Miami alone, you had a, you might know these guys or not. You heard of Sal Stewart? Yes. So Sal was going to go there. My boy, George Lombard was going to mm -hmm. go there. And then you had my man, Dylan Lesko. He was going to go there. You had Drew Jones that was going to go there. Max Clark, that was going to go there. It's like torture, dude. He's like, oh, you get all pumped, and then everybody signs in the first round. What have you learned, man? There's a short time there. So your first season was actually last season? So my first my first season would essentially have been, um, I started in April of 22. So I kind of finished out that spring of 22, and then last year was my first full season. What have you learned, dude? What What's different from you now versus when you came in? I think the one of the eye openers was how good SEC baseball actually is, right? I, I've been around baseball, playing it at the Division One level, um, obviously not as high as here, and then at the Division Two level at a very competitive level, um, but nothing compares to the SEC, right? And training the the SEC caliber athletes here is extremely important because we have to make sure that they stay on the field. And the things that we've done over the past year in terms of just incorporating a lot more sports science things just to make sure that we have data week to week that we can see if our athletes are progressing in the proper manner um, and just keeping them healthy on the field. Because like I said, this, this game at the SEC level is big time. I mean, there is a lot of competition and you have to be fresh. You have to be ready to go day in, day out so that you can compete at such a high level. Um, so I, I'd say that's one of the biggest eye openers 
um, for me. And then just like anything else in life, I mean, you live and you learn, you make mistakes, right? And if you don't make mistakes and you're a perfect person, then kudos to you. But there's there's been a lot of mistakes that we've made uh, myself, um, you know, in terms of what can we do differently to hopefully keep this guy healthy and maybe he wouldn't have gotten injured. Right. And that's the things that we can look back on and, and we can improve upon. And I think that's the cool thing that I've kind of experienced here in terms of getting to be just strictly baseball and focusing all my time on baseball. Um, so it, it, it's definitely a dream come true that I'm here um, and able to work with such high caliber athletes and to be around the game at such a high level. So Hunter now the, is it more pitchers that are getting injured? Is it always pitchers? Uh, I I, f- I feel like that's where everybody's mind goes to. Um, right. And I, I think it's a mix. I think when hitters do get injured, you don't really hear about it as much just because everybody talks about Tommy John and, you know, pitchers and everything like that. Um, it, it's part of the game, right? You're not going to be able to completely mitigate that risk of getting injured. But there's different things that you can do to kind of prevent those type of injuries from occurring. Um, like I said, it's not a perfect world, so you're never going to always succeed. But the little things that we try to do to to keep our guys on the field is something that we take very seriously. Um, Hunter, question real quick. The hitters, yeah. they get injured. Is it their back or hamstring? What, 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 what's more jacked up with hitters that you see? Yeah, so I'd say it's more soft tissue injury. And what I mean by that is, you know, ankle sprains, hamstring strains, um, different things like that, because they're always on their feet, right? They're always running. They accumulate a lot of workload in terms of sprinting velocity, just total yards covered and different things like that. And that can take a toll on your body. And that's why it's so important, like I had mentioned um, a couple minutes ago, that lifting in season is so important because you maintain that strength, you maintain that power, um, and you keep those tendons and muscles strong so that hopefully when that season comes and you're in game 40, right, they're still fresh and they're able to continue out the season. I love that, dude. Three more questions, bro. Question number one, what's your favorite Vanderbilt uniform? Oh, I'd have to say the military greens on Sunday. That was a good one. Okay. Number two, workout music. What's getting pumped the most in the locker room these days? Uh, I don't know exactly what music's played in the locker room, but in the sorry, weight not room, in the locker room. I'm not bad in the weight room, bro. No, yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, the weight room we have uh, a lot of diversity. So some days we'll listen to rock and roll, um, and we crank it all the way up. Other days we'll listen to rap. So it's kind of what the guys want and what they're feeling that day, and we just ride with it. And uh, it's always a good atmosphere when we get in there because that volume is turned all the way up. This whole facility is shaking. Um, number one with the weights dropping on the floor, but also the speakers and the bass just bumping. So what's your favorite? If you could if you today when today's workout and you controlled it, what are you what are you playing? Well, that's a tough one. Cause I, I do like to I do like to get down to some rock, some old school rock. What do you like? Um, Talk to me. Talk to me. I mean ACDC is a, a a fan favorite of mine. Favorite um, ACDC song. To work out to, I'm gonna have to go uh, Thunderstruck or Back in Black. Yeah, man. For some reason, I don't know why. I remember, Brent, here in Miami, we're like in a different place from the whole country. Mm-hmm. I'd always hear Back Black and Black, like why this song? Like every infield, <laughs> that's the first song, and I never understood it, dude. 
Okay, other question. Is it Corbin, the manager? Yes. Everybody seems to like that guy, dude. What do you like about him? He's unbelievable. Um, I could talk hours about him. Um, I think one of the coolest things just being around him is he's so detail-oriented, and um, it's about the little things, right, because those little things add up over time. And just staying consistent with – you know, your manners, how you go about yourself throughout the day, just being a good human being and then being able to just dominate on the field. So um, there's a lot of life lessons that I've learned from him. Um, and there's nobody better to talk about it than him, he himself. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, podcasts and different things out there that he has done. Um, but I think he's the cool thing is we're very team focused. And what I mean by that is it's a small knit group, but we're very collectively as a whole wanting to just be around each other each and every day and grow together, right? Grow as human beings um, and then just growing as baseball players as well. So, dude, I love that. Before I let you go, plug your program, dude. Talk to me about what is it, a six week program that you got? Share that. Yeah, so um, you can find it on my on my Instagram or my social medias, but uh, I just wanted to um, create a program. It's a 20 week program, off season program. So the high school players or, you know, middle school age players can have something that they can follow step by step to get them leading up to the spring. Right. So that they can maximize their time in the off season so that they can compete at a high level in the spring, because um, I've been in their shoes before having a program or not having a program to follow. And I was kind of just left going into the gym and doing random workouts, random exercises that really didn't have any benefit to me. Uh, so I wanted to give something back, um, you know, to the community, the baseball community specifically, so that parents, players um, have something that they can follow to maximize their performance on the field come the spring. So um, it's, it's, I'm still a work in progress in terms of, you know, finding the right program and finding that perfect program. And like you said, being on social media and pushing out content, I'm really new to it as well. I mean, I only started in January, I think, uh, really focusing on it. So it's been a work in progress and I'm just trying to get better day by day. Um, I love but, that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. All right, bro. I can't thank you enough for taking the time and coming on, my man. I always tell everybody on my show, no matter who I have on, question for me or anything I can help you with, bro. You get the last question. Come on, ask me anything. So you being around baseball, what are some of the, what are some of the biggest things that you have seen in the past five years in terms of um, baseball players at a young age and kind of growing into college athletes? Like what are some of the things that you see that athletes succeed with and you see other athletes that maybe don't succeed? Like what are some of the things that happen throughout those five years in terms of development, whatever it may be? This is what's not happening, man. The people who are confident are winning. So kids aren't prepared to deal with failure because they're not, they're not taught about failure. So the problem that we're having Hunter is the middle of the pack players, right? So you take guys like uh, Drew Jones, Dylan Lesko, Sal Stewart, George Lombard, all those guys have already been the best of the best since they were so young, so they're not going to be a problem. The guys that suck, their parents are just happy that they put on a uniform, so that, that, there's no worry there. It's the middle of the pack guys that they don't understand that if you can develop a work ethic that's around effort and attitude and the process of it versus 
a result-based thing and don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just put yourself on a level of see what happens in the game and then train against that. So what I mean is let's say in the game I'm here now and I'm struggling with curveballs away from a lefty. Mm. Then I grab that information as a lefty hitter and I practice that over and over and over and over and over again and finding that obstacle fun to figure it out. That's the number one thing I see with all this is that people don't want to fail and that's and they get to places where failure now becomes a little more regular and nerves come up and emotions and we don't talk about that. So what I've noticed is the guys that can handle that and some people handle that naturally, some people develop a mindset for that. It's key, dude. Hunter, don't go anywhere. I'm going to talk to you now, right? I'm going to stop the recording. Dude, I can't thank you enough for coming on, okay? No, I appreciate you having me. Hold on one second. Hold on one second there. I'm going to stop. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 